0: Hey y'all, this is Fazia. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm a beautiful
1: creepster, and you're about to listen to
0: Sinister Sightings.
1: I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie, And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 99. Ooh. One more and we're in freaking triple digits of Sinister Sightings. Who knew we weren't going to run out of emails yet? I mean, everyone but you. We're still going to. I have a feeling. (laughs) It's going to happen. So y'all better keep those freaking emails coming. And also, Creepinati, keep your intros coming in like Fazia who kicked ass. I mean, she could totally do ASMR for you. I mean, not just for you, but like... You'd be all about it. My personal Foz channel of ASMR.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And if you want to kick ass on an intro like Fozia, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the APC podcast
1: and join. Oh, we're, we're bypassing check it out. And we're going straight to join, motherfuckers. Well, if you want to do it, you got to join. True, true, true. Okay, the first story tonight today, sometime, was actually sent on your birthday, Donna. So if you're wondering where we are timeline-wise of getting to Sinister Sightings, we are in the beginning of August. August 8th, to be specific. The August that I never want to relive in my life. No, please God, no. This is when she tried to die. (laughs) The first story says, These tidbits come from my husband's family home. Yes, I'm anonymous. My husband is from a large family of nine. The house is the oldest in town we are in, pre-Revolutionary War old. Damn, that's old. The family that built the house was in farming. At that time, the cemetery was on the farms. Important later. The original farm had been broken up and parts were sold to developers while other parts were still being farmed. Fast forward 200 years and the family moves in. The cemetery was overgrown and semi-forgotten. Perfect fort for kids. It was a large family with boys and girls, and the father is a contractor who can add to the house and make it more comfortable for everyone. The family is in church every week, same time, same service. Once in a while, they come home from church to find the door open and wet footsteps going into the house and down the cellar steps. Kids get yelled at for not shutting the door, except everything was locked up tight. Usually it happened on nice days. They would also come into the room with the cellar door to find the door open in spite of the deadbolt to keep the door shut for safety of the little ones. Keys would disappear for months at a time and show up in the open on the counter one day well after new ones had been gotten. Remember the cemetery? The kids in the neighborhood used to dare each other to get a piece of broken tombstone, or a whole one if small. They'd ride bikes away with it or run. Something or someone would chase the kid down the street until the stone was dropped. There was never a stone on the road the next day. Fast forward to the older kids being old enough for having boyfriends and girlfriends. Some of the kids have seen shadow forms and high-tailed it out of the living room, leaving their special friends sitting looking perplexed. The special friends were close enough to know about the ghosts, but not to see him. I came into the family in this era. My boyfriend, now husband, is home alone with the family dog. He's playing ball, tossing it from one end of the house to the other. Good Puppy brings back the ball and continues the game until boyfriend tosses the ball, the dog goes galloping to get it, and squeals to a halt at the doorway to the room where the ball is. My boyfriend encourages the dog to get the ball, but the dog is not moving. A voice says, "It's over here." My boyfriend beats the dog out of the door only because he has thumbs to open the door. They call me to come over to keep them company until the family gets home. I have to get my dad to drive me over because I'm not old enough to drive. My boyfriend is not going into the house to get his keys. Yes, I'm not much younger than him. This all happened thirty or more years ago. My hubby and I are still together. This is not the end of our paranormal journey through life, but those will keep for another time. Right now, I have to wake up a grandchild so she will sleep tonight. Love your newly found podcast, Creep It Real Ladies.
0: Wow. Nope, nope, nope. Tall of that. Tall of it?
1: Well, not the good dog. Tall of it? What about the short of it? Ha, ha, ha. Well, you're the one being sizest. Yes, shithead. <laughs> I want to know the age difference now between y'all, because, I mean, he could be, like, 16 and you could be, like, 15. True. But they said that much older than them. Yeah. So how much is that doggy in the window? You just call her a bitch? No, I was making an applicable pun. Oh, okay. It's not a pun, but you get the point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No? Okay. Bye. I'm just
0: getting you back for my... Yeah. ...for my tall. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, we want to hear all your paranormal journeys.
0: Yeah. This next one is called Girl Stuck in Time. Hey, girls. It's Laura, the Tassie Air Freight Courier with the Haunted
1: Airplane and Depot. Oh, I definitely remember this story. Oh, yeah. Which says a lot because I don't remember shit. (laughs) Very true.
0: There's a trigger warning. It involves children and trauma. Last Friday night, I had done my first winter night shift. It was brutal. It was negative three degrees Celsius, and icy sea winds ripped through the airport. Halfway through the shift, we have an express delivery that's about twenty-five kilometers out of town. It also happened to be my hometown, which wasn't a happy place for me. On our way into town, I was anxious yet managing to stay calm because I was on shift with my partner. He's my happy place. Anyway, once we delivered, I told him to get me the hell out of Dodge and we had held it out of there. On the way back, we were chatting about life when I saw a little girl on the side of the road clutching a teddy bear. My heart froze. I made eye contact with her as I looked out the window with my jaw dropped like a drop bear on a tourist. I turned my head to ask my hubby if he had seen it. And I noticed the clock on the dash 3 a.m. He looked at me funny and said, Steve, what? I was in shock. She had seen me, y'all. I leaned back in my seat and said, The girl. He scoffed at me. Shun the non believer. (laughs) After a few seconds, my mind went to an old, blocked out memory of my childhood. 20 years ago, an accident occurred on that ride. An eight year old girl died after not wearing a seatbelt and being flung from the car. Her mother survived. Her stepfather had told me stories of him driving the truck up that road and seeing her. And he was a non-believer that just couldn't explain it. My heart felt heavy for this girl. Could she see me because I was anxious about my trauma and we had the same energy for a few seconds? I will never forget her standing on the road. Wowza. That is heavy. I wonder
1: if the shared energy was a connection. Or if it was just like one of those right time, right places, right glitch of the matrix. Yeah. Who knows? Um. Okay. So we didn't understand the drop bear on a tourist thing. So we uh we googled, and that's that's just fucking funny. So it's for you, uh, non Aussies. It's a it's fake. <laughs> so it's like a folklore fake carnivorous koala bear. That like jumps on tourists' heads. But it ain't real. Because obviously koalas are not carnivorous. That shit's funny though. Because I was like, is that like a Grateful Dead groupie that's like on acid? Like they dropped acid? And like, a, you know what I mean? Like a bear? Like yeah. a, you know, <laughs> I mean, that was my context clues. <laughs> All right. The next one is, hello ladies. I recently wrote you, but I forgot to include some other crazy stories. You can use my first name, Marianne. Here we go. My oldest son is on the autism spectrum. When he was around two to three years old, we were living in our first family home. It had been my husband's house before he and I married. I never liked that house. It always felt oppressive to me. My mother told me she hated it too, and it needed to be blessed. Of course, we never did get it blessed, but I digress. Because of my son's autism, he was not able to participate in imaginative play. Nothing of the sort at all. Trying to help him with the guidance of therapists, such as applied behavioral analysis, etc., we would push him to try to use his imagination. Nothing. If he had a stuffed animal, I would try to get him to name it, just to stretch those imagination muscles. If it was a dog, it got named dog. A bear was named bear. You get the idea. He didn't play with any of the toys he had. It meant nothing to him. By this time, he was verbal and was just starting to come up with novel sentences such as, I want juice. But most communications were more like, the light is on, the light is on, the light is on. Well, one day, he tells me that his sister Evan from heaven has been visiting him in his room and playing with him. What the hell? This scared the bejesus out of me. He could not have come up with this scenario on his own. He couldn't even play with Hot Wheels at the time. He certainly was not making up a sister, not sure he even knew the word, named Evan, that was from heaven. For the record, he was my first pregnancy, so I never had a child that died. I never had a miscarriage and never, to this day, had a daughter. This scared me so badly because I also had issues in this house. Mine were mostly dreams. I had horrible dreams in that house. One that stands out the most was of this child, a boy, that came to me in my dreams. He was pretending to be my child, but I knew he wasn't. I remember him trying to turn on the lights in my dream. I was running in that horrible slow motion way as if you're swimming through mud dragging myself from room to room, trying to turn on the lights, but at most I was getting a dimly lit bulb, if anything. The boy appeared to me again and made it clear through thought that he was the devil. I felt like he wanted me to accept him because he was in child form. There is more to the atmosphere of that dream that I cannot capture in words, but before he stood in front of me, he had been laying next to me on my bed with his head on my pillow, as if he were my son sharing my pillow with me, but his head was oddly flat and bird-like. By coincidence, think Plague Doctor Mask, but like child-size laying on its side It was two-dimensional, not really 3D. Lastly, same child with autism and my middle son shared a room in our current home. It used to be farmland before being developed into homes. The owner of the farm lives in the new home they had built next to ours. My son used to tell me he was visited by orange dots that would swirl around his room at night, like orbs. Some other autism moms have video of their children being followed by orbs. Interesting, he also told me about how pigs would come into his room at night and try to eat him. Found out from our neighbor that where our home is was where the barn had stood, and they had pigs. Thanks for reading, Marianne D.
0: Okay, I know he said his sister from heaven, but the name was Evan, Mm -hmm. but also that little boy that was trying to tell you that like he was your son, like play like he was your son and stuff, Wonder if his name was Evan. You know what I mean? Like, if he came to him as a sister. Yeah. To try to, like, get in that way, but
1: to you like a son. Or maybe your husband had a child that had been miscarried that he never even knew about. Oh, true. Because if it was her husband's house before, before yeah. even them, he may have had, you know, may have gotten someone pregnant that he never even knew was pregnant. Yeah, True. But I like yours, too. But it's interesting that it rhymes. It's like Evan from Heaven. Yeah. I've never heard of kids with autism having, like, more spiritual inclination. But I know we have quite a few listeners who have kids with autism. What do y'all think? Oh, yeah. That, that would... Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That
1: would be a good study. I know, like, it's not scientific, but... It would be a Donna study. It would be a Donna study. And why Orange. Like, why were the orbs orange? What the fuck does the orange have to do with anything? Maybe the aura. But what's an orange aura mean? I don't know. Well, me neither. That's what I'm asking. It wasn't rhetorical. Oh. Somebody tell me. Just kidding. I can Google. I'm not, but I could. (laughs) All right. Next one.
0: Hello, ladies. I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate your podcast. I found it one evening and haven't been able to put it down. I'm 24 years old and married. At this point in my life, I consider myself an empath slash sensitive to the paranormal. Like my mother, my sister, and my youngest brother, we are more sensitive to the paranormal than anyone I know. I used to block this part of my personality out. It would cause some major problems for me and my sister back in the day. About three years ago is when I truly started to embrace it, right after my great-grandfather died. You see, I'm from an old southern town in Tennessee. No one really knows it, and if you blink, you're already through it. Talking about the paranormal was something you just did not do. Even now, it's hard for me to really open up about my experiences I've had throughout my life because no one really believes me. And then I found you guys. This story I'm about to tell you took place about a year ago. Before I told my husband about my special gift— It was around February-March of last year. My lifelong childhood best friend took his life, something I never thought would happen to me. I always told myself that suicide was not something I would see in my lifetime. He had just had a son, and I didn't understand. It bothered me for a long time after. About a week after his death, I was having dreams of him talking to me and my grandfather, who had passed a couple of years prior. I didn't take it as a sign at the time, I just chopped it up to my grieving mind. There was a night I got home from work later than usual. I was on an adrenaline rush from the day. I was ready to do something. I pulled into my driveway and the porch was dark. We usually have a small light on, but I figured my husband was not home yet. I jumped out of my driver's seat, looked up, and saw two gentlemen sitting on my rocking chairs. I stopped in my tracks. Just looking, I wasn't scared. I wasn't really thinking of the horror it could have been. I saw an older gentleman wearing a pair of overalls and the other person looked to be about my age wearing a flannel and jeans. I just stared at the two for a minute and they got up and disappeared into the dark. I stood there in disbelief. I ran to the chairs to see but nothing seemed to be touched. I sat on my stairs sobbing in disbelief. My husband pulled into our driveway and saw me physically shaken because of the event. He sat beside me, and I told him everything instantly. At first, he kind of just blew it off like I was overtired, but that night I had a dream, and they told me that they were there to protect me at my house, and I haven't seen them since. And I told my husband about it, and a year later, he understands now more than ever. But that night is a night I will never be able to forget. To see my two favorite people in one place for me and my family, I truly feel they are guiding me in life. This is just one of my many encounters with the supernatural. Like I said, since I was a young girl, I've been very connected to the paranormal. I never get to talk about it because people don't believe me, but now I finally found a place to let people listen who are just like me and I'm not strange and unusual. Thank you again, ladies, for making the platform. I'm sorry this is such a long story, and even if it doesn't get put on the podcast, at least I know I can still send these experiences to you. Thank you, Haley. Well, we are so happy that you found the podcast and that you wrote in.
1: Yes, and that you feel like you can share that with us because that's very special that to us that you feel like you can share with us. Definitely. Could I say with us one more time? I know there are so many people that feel the same way as you, though, like that nobody's ever understood them before. That's one of the few positive things about the internet is that you can find people who have gone through the things that you've gone through and that you're like, okay, you know what? I'm not fucking alone. And so I'm glad that you have found that, Haley. Also, I'm glad that you
0: have your two loved ones guiding you. That's so comforting.
1: I mean, sucks that they scared the life out of you. Yes, But awesome that they're there for you.
0: Definitely. And that you can talk to your husband about that now.
1: Okay, the next one is called Daddy Has a Sense of Humor. Hey ladies, I adore your podcast and this is coming from someone who doesn't really get into podcasts, so kudos. Anyway, I wanted to share my story about when my daddy passed away. It's not really sinister or scary, but my friends always get goosebumps from hearing about it. To start, here's a little background. My daddy passed away suddenly when he was traveling with my mom and my brother out of state. My daddy wasn't close to his family, and for good reason. They are not good people. Anyway, before he passed, he felt the need to make amends with his sister and at least get on talking terms. After he passed away, we went to Missouri to the Lake of the Ozarks to spread his ashes. While we were traveling there, I kept telling my mom I wished the boat would somehow sink while we were all out there on the water and his older sister would fall out. She doesn't know how to swim. Well, on the way there, I couldn't drive anymore, and it was super late, so we stopped at a hotel for the night. Now, at the time, all the hotels were booked due to all these events going on in Kansas City. When I walked in, just to see if we could get lucky on getting a room, the lady at the front desk was on the phone. When she got off, I asked her if she would happen to have a room for us. She smiled and said that the call she just got off was someone canceling their room and had the exact amount of beds we needed. Obviously, I jumped on that, and when we were walking into the room, my little brother, who was about seven, says, Mom, the room is Daddy's apartment number. My parents had been divorced and were trying to work things out, so lived apart. Anyways, I got chills from that. Continuing on, the day comes, and his sisters and us and his advisors to his will are all on the pontoon boat. And we're just sailing around, and my brother is steering. A jet ski happens to fly by, and my brother hits the wave it created. And mind you, these boats don't sink easily. But he hits this wave, and the whole front end of the boat sinks. The locked gate opens, and my aunt floats out. The one I kept telling my mom I wished would float away. My friend and I are just staring at each other, And we get his sister back in the boat. I started laughing because I know my daddy had done that because nothing added up for any of that to happen how it did. Moving to current times, my husband and I have been trying to have a baby for at least six years. I was taking fertility medications and I told him that we could try for a few more months, but I could not handle the side effects from the medications any longer. So a few days after we had the conversation of possibly adopting, I had a dream about my daddy telling me to keep pushing on and not give up quite yet. A few weeks later, I wake up out of a dead sleep because I smelled my dad's cologne. My husband's been at work for a few hours and I wake up in tears because I miss him. I just get a sense that I need to go to the bathroom and take a test. Like, I kept hearing my dad in my mind saying, you need to take a test and take it soon. Sure as shit, I take the test and it comes out positive. I took like three more and a blood test and it all comes out positive. I believe my dad told me to take it when I did because I was going to go out drinking with my friends that night. I haven't felt, smelt, dreamt, or anything else for my dad But I feel like he stayed around to make sure his grandbaby was safe, and since he did, he can fully rest now. Not really creepy, and I'm sorry for it being so long, but there were too many coincidences for it to just be a coincidence. Thanks for reading my story and doing what y'all do. Creep it real and don't get scared.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Well, one, make me tear up at that last part. Gosh. And okay, this is, this. I'm about to go carry all over this. I can, please somebody that's smarter than me that can actually remember things from school, tell me what this is because there's a loop of something and it's not the arterial loop in your brain. It's something else. It's a loop of something that when you're asleep, you don't actually smell, which is why we have smoke detectors because you won't wake up from the smell of smoke. You have to have a smoke detector. Mm, yeah. So you waking up from the smell of his cologne, I'm not saying you didn't wake up from that. I'm saying, like, you felt him. You really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, exactly how you said. Like, you felt him there. You could, I don't know. I feel like it it makes it that much more special. Yeah. Because you literally cannot wake up from a smell. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm saying that to make it more special, not make it not real, if that makes any more sense. Yeah. It totally does.
0: Also, you have Tiffany's ability, but... You make everyone like the unsinkable Molly Brown or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Except for they don't die. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All I can see is like, if that was me and Carrie had those powers, like I would just be like going down with it. I mean, like, Carrie. Literally. That's, that's how she would say it. That's how I would do it. Cause I knew it would be her, but I wouldn't do anything. I'd just keep going down, be floating away, bobbing, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. But you're right. It's like too many coincidences to be a coincidence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, this next one's titled I'm a weirdo 100% for sure. No names, please. Well, you're
1: the one that already called yourself a name.
0: <laughs> Carrie, get serious. Okay, well, she's started it. Trigger warning. Childhood sexual assault. Well,
1: now I feel like a jerk. <laughs> As you should okay (laughs) that's what she said okay she knew it well now i know how you feel when you (laughs) say shit (laughs) as i should
0: (laughs) hello ladies my story isn't scary or sinister but it happened and i feel compelled to share it which usually means i'm being led to confirm someone else's experience or gift Whoever is needing to hear this, I pray you accept your gift and acknowledge this blessing. Please excuse the length and any errors. I have always felt things deeper than those around me, and I am especially close with my family or those I consider such. My relationship with my mom, however, is on another level. Before I was born, she and my dad experienced a horrible miscarriage. So when they knew they were pregnant again, it was a blessing. Fast forward to a month after my expected delivery date, and I'm still chilling in utero. My mom gets nervous. She's a nurse, and it just feels off again, and she goes to the hospital. She insists they check her. They say she's fine and try to send her home. 1979 and 40 plus years later, we still don't listen to women about what their bodies are telling them. Instead, she camps out in the waiting room and waits. Eventually, her water breaks, and she's given a bed. My father's called, Families assembled, everyone waits. 47 and a half hours later, my mother knows my heart rate has slowed significantly and she is panicked. She untangled herself from the IV lines, emerged from her room to scream at the nurses and doc that had left her to, quote, die with her baby. What? Did I mention that she worked at the same facility, just a different floor? Quite the impression on the coworkers. Someone gets her wrangled back to her room and reattaches, reads a heart monitor for me, all along assuring my mom that she's crazy, then all hell breaks loose. They prep her for surgery, and I'm born via C-section seven minutes after that with the umbilical cord stretched and wrapped around my neck. What can I say? I like necklaces. (laughs) All of this is to say that we have always communicated to each other in ways that others do not understand. I have woken up sick in the middle of the night and cried for my mama, like a grown up, only to get a call from her first thing in the morning to check on me because she heard me calling her name. And to clarify, we did not live together at the time. I didn't text or call her at all because I knew she had to work the next day. And again, I'm a grown up. So here's where I share. Way too much information and gross y'all out. I've never been okay with the results of a man reaching climax. Ejaculate is gross. It nauseates me. Also, I get panicky during intimacy. Feel like I'm being choked when I'm not. So much so, I have to take deep breaths and remember that my husband loves me and I love him and he wouldn't hurt me. Side note, panic attacks during sex are not sexy. Yeah, hubby has to put up with a lot of weirdness. I had decided to get counseling for this specific issue and told my mom at my birthday lunch at Cheesecake Factory, where else? Explaining that I felt like at some time around four or five, I must have been assaulted, but I don't remember. I told her if I close my eyes during the act, I feel hot cigarette breath on my face and my hubby doesn't smoke and one giant hand on my neck. My mom looks horrified. I told her that I know I was left, quote unquote, messy after the assault, and I was worried about the gingham dress I had on getting messy too. I said I don't recognize the voice, the dress, or the room of the house it happened in, but the flashes of this event have gotten more disruptive the older I get, so counseling was in order." I can tell my mom is ill hearing all of my story, and she excuses herself to go to the restroom. When she comes back, I tell her I do not blame her for this happening to me at all. Then she interrupts me to tell me it is her fault because it's her story. She had never told anyone about it, but a distant relative had assaulted her as a child. She said that all of the flashes I was getting were actually her memories. She asked me to let them go, not to hold on to them as they aren't mine. We cried and marveled at the strength of our connection, and since then, no flashes. All of this is to say our connection runs deeper than we think. Don't rationalize it. If you feel moved to tell a loved one you love them, do it. If you feel a stranger in the grocery store needs to be shown kindness, show them. Have the conversation. Even the uncomfortable, tough stuff. Be the light. You may be the only beacon in someone else's very dark
1: place. Love you, ladies, and pray for you both continuously. You know, part of that story really resonated with me in that, like, sometimes I feel like stuff makes me so heartbroken that should not break my heart. Yeah. Like, that I feel like anybody else would be like, why are you crying over that? yeah i can't of course i can't think of an example gosh i mean it literally is the smallest thing like it will be someone random at a store that has like stubs their toe yeah i mean like i mean like literally that insignificant and it will crush me and i will cry there's no reason you know usually it will be because they're older but just how at the beginning you said you've always felt things deeper than the people around you. And it's like, not everything, but some things that make no sense that I shouldn't feel. De- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something about that at that very moment resonated with me. And made me go, hmm. I've also gotten that way about animals. Y'all, there was a TikTok. This is a little bit of a tangent. But there was a fucking TikTok the other day that Colby showed me. I'm talking, I instantly, I'm talking bald cry. Like, Ugly cried. Put my face in my shirt. Ugly cried. See, I can't fucking tell it. I can't even fucking tell it! So, like, if you brush the dog with
0: the with a toothbrush, they think it's a mom. A wet toothbrush, they think it's their mom. And this dog was crying while they did it. And made Carrie ball. It was so sad. I told you, she's a sour patch, y'all. Well, other than Carrie, hopefully whoever... Needed to hear that,
1: heard it, and it resonated with y'all. Okay, the next one is about Jacob Wetterling. Oh, shit. Yes, and now I'm a fucking... I cried even so hard just then about that stupid fucking TikTok, and now you can tell. And now she's sour. Ah. And I'll be crying in a minute because then I feel bad about it. Okay. They say, Hi, I'm a fairly new listener from Minnesota. Please don't say my name as people know me and I'm shy. This isn't a paranormal story, but true crime. So, growing up in small-town Minnesota in the late 1990s, early 2000s, we were always told to be cautious when going outside at night. Jacob Wetterling was 11 years old when he was biking with his friend to a local Tom Thumb, an old gas station, in the 1980s when he was abducted. Even if you're with someone, you're not safe. My mom was friends with his mom, Patty, so his story was always in the back of my mind. Throughout my childhood, there were always neighborhood rumors of a man with cameras in his yard. I think just to show that we couldn't just trust everyone simply because they're our neighbor. I mean, we did have some creepy neighbors, and being young and naive, it would be easy for us to trust the wrong person just because we knew them. Fast forward to fall 2016, I was in my college apartment, and all over Facebook, there was news of Danny Heinrich admitting to the abduction and murder of Jacob Wetterling back in the 1980s. It was simply an opportunistic attack, and he panicked and killed Jacob because he heard the cops coming. Danny told police Jacob asked something along the lines of, Why me? Heartbreaking, right? A young boy was just going to the gas station with his friends, and that was his last night alive. Along reading further into the article, I noticed that Danny was arrested in my hometown, just two blocks away from my house. I asked people in town where exactly his house was, and it was the corner house where we were warned about. He had cameras set up and was arrested on multiple counts of child pornography. Holy shit! He was the man doing exactly what we were warned to be cautious about. Jacob's parents left their porch light on every single day for 26 years, just waiting for Jacob to come home. They finally got closure, but they'll never get justice. This story is so heartbreaking, and it hits so close to home, physically and emotionally. Creep it real, ladies. That story is so, oh, so, so heartbreaking. If you haven't ever heard the full story of Jacob Wetterling, highly, highly recommend listening to the podcast in the dark. Such an amazing in-depth look into the case. It's pretty amazing though because it was solved like as this podcast was being produced and so it actually has the conclusion to it. Whereas most like Serial and all those other podcasts have that nature don't, but this one was actually he confessed, like they said, in fall of 2016, as this podcast was coming out, so they were able to do an update with the ending. I mean, spoiler alert, but I mean, yeah. They just said it, so that is wild that you have such a close connection. And it's like you know, obviously, that he had all that child pornography, but it's like it's a whole nother thing when you think about oh my gosh, that really is the house that was like rumored to have cameras and yeah. all of that. It That's I know. so eerie.
0: I know. My gasp was after the child porn thing, but it wasn't because of that. It was like, oh, the rumors were true. Yes. Like, that's what's scary is that it's so easy to say, yeah, when I was younger, There were rumors that this, you know, this creepy old person lived down the street, blah, blah, blah. How many people had those kind of rumors? And this one turned out to be uh, 100% fucking true in the worst possible way. And so it makes you think, oh, shit.
1: Like, was my, like, neighborhood rumor true? Probably. probably. Or that's the thing, too. It's like, you don't want to say everything, but most things like that are rooted in at least a fragment of truth. Yeah, There's some sort of something about that person that's made someone uncomfortable mm-hmm. in that way. Maybe they had a camera that they took a picture that made somebody uncomfortable or what have you. There was some yeah. situation that made some, some so, there's, so there's some fragment of some truth to something. Just like we say, there's a little bit of truth behind every joke. There's a little bit of, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There's A little truth behind it somewhere. Where? I don't know. And how big or how small to it? I don't fucking know. But. And I don't want to say everything. Right.
0: All right. The last one is my paranormal true crime story. Hi there. I found your podcast and was instantly hooked. You can call me Vash. I'm sorry. This is going to be a long story. Some of it comes from my own memories. And some is what my mom told me to help fill in the blanks. But... Sigh. It is true. Also, sorry for the typos. I'm on my phone. When I was four years old, my mom met and married a military man. Before I knew it, we were on our way to start a new life in Germany and my new life as a military brat. The first house we lived in was in Aschaffenburg. Question mark, question mark, question mark. And it was a small farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. I remember the house very well. It had a courtyard with a barn across from the house. The house was two stories, and we lived on the bottom floor. On the second floor lived a woman named Candy and her kids. It's funny, but I always remembered Candy and those kids, but it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I realized she must have had a husband, right? It was then that my mother told me the rest of the story about this house and that, yes, Candy was married, and I do not know the man's name. What I do remember about Candy was that her children were brats. They liked to beat up on me and cause me trouble. One of their favorite things to do was to kind of trick me into going into the attic. And then as I would get to the top of the stairs, before I would get to the landing, they would throw bugs or dead spiders or something on me to scare and freak me out. Oh my God. I really couldn't avoid them because Candy was my babysitter. So one day they were calling me up to the attic again, and I wasn't going to fall for it this time. I was like, I'm not getting scared. But you know, I was four and I wanted to play, so of course I followed them up the stairs. But before I got to the top, they started screaming bloody terror and ran flying past me down the stairs. Thinking this was a joke and I wasn't going to fall for it, I continued to go up to the attic and at the top of the stairs was what I thought was a cute little girl who held her fingers on her lips to say hush, and she smiled a friendly smile. So I giggled back and just knew I had a new friend. Uh Uh-oh. I don't remember those kids ever bugging me again. But I didn't need them anyway with the new pal I had just found. Uh Uh-oh. Now for the parts my mom told me. My mom figured the farmhouse must have belonged to some Jewish people before the war. There was a name on a pillar outside that was carved off, and then a German name was carved under it. What the fuck? I think maybe a swastika as well, but I don't remember for sure. One day, my mom and Candy were in the attic, and they found a bunch of antique furniture. One of the items was a chest of drawers, and mom and Candy went through them. The top drawers were just full of family photos, old-time family photos, Lots of them, like someone had just quickly dumped them and left them behind. My mom thought maybe they had belonged to the original owners, and these photos gave her a sense of sorrow in them being abandoned. In the bottom drawer, Mom and Candy were shocked to find the drawer was full of crucifixes. Little ones, big ones, medium size, all kinds. The weird thing was they all had the SS death heads at the bottom of the crucifixes. Super creepy. The other thing my mom said was that at night, you could hear the furniture above being moved around. Always moving around, and my mom and stepdad thought that Candy and her husband were playing a prank, right? I mean, who moves furniture around all night long? Also, those crucifixes started showing up everywhere. And I mean everywhere. You open the cabinet door one day, and one would be hanging there. Open a silverware drawer, One would be sitting on top. You go to get your favorite sweater, there would be one sitting in your clothes. They showed up everywhere. My mom kept putting them back and they would just show back up again. So here comes the true crime part. Trigger warning. I am very lucky that I do not remember this. So again, this was my mother's story that she waited until I was in my 20s to tell me. One day I went to her crying and I seemed to be sick and I said that Candy's husband had done things to me. (gasps) My mom took me to the hospital, and it turns out that I was sodomized (gasps) and had been basically sexually assaulted by this man. This destroyed my mother, who later became an alcoholic and swears that it started because she was so guilt-ridden that she couldn't protect me. The man was arrested. He said that he did not rape me because he knew that it would destroy my insides or some BS like that. I don't know. But that's what my mom said. He was arrested, but instead of putting him in, like, a jail, they put him in a dormitory and then didn't tell the night watchman that he was under restriction, so he escaped. (gasps) Long on the short, he never paid for his crime. Welcome to the Army in the 1970s. So Candy and her children were shipped away, and this meant that the upstairs apartment was empty. Due to the situation, the army was moving us soon after Candy and the kids were shipped off. Well, the furniture upstairs started scraping along the floors again. You know, the empty apartment above us. My mom realized that Candy and her husband were not playing jokes. Someone or something was upstairs moving the furniture when no one was there. My mom said that on the last night, things got crazy. The sounds were so bad. The cabinets were opening and closing on their own. The commotion was so bad that the windows were shaking. Those were her exact words. The windows were shaking. When telling the story, she would laugh and say that while she was so scared and like shivering in her boots, I was content and happy and acting like this was totally normal. Like it didn't faze me one bit. I think that it's because I had my friend. She hadn't left when the kids and Candy left and that bastard was gone. But my friend was still there, and we were as happy as could be. So here we are, all packed up. My mother packed everything herself. She knew exactly what was in every box. She said she taped them up herself. She was a control freak that way. She supervised putting them into the moving truck, and we got the hell out of there. When we got to the new house, my mom went to open up the curtain box, because she always hung the curtains first. And the very first box she opened, guess what was sitting right on top? One of those damned crucifixes. Uh Uh-uh. She said my stepdad, who always played the big badass who was never afraid of anything— turned white as a sheet, grabbed the crucifix, hopped in the car, and was gone for like two hours. He said he drove as far away as he could, threw the damn thing in a field, and then turned around and came home. You would think that would be the end of the story, but no. Wait, there's more. Eventually, we moved to an apartment house, and across the street was an empty lot. I know this sounds like I'm telling a lie, but I swear to God it's true. There were gypsies. Real-life Romani gypsies living in the empty lot across from our apartment. Seriously. With the caravans, tents, horses, the whole shebang. Remember, this was the 70s. One day, some of the older kids dared me that I wouldn't be brave enough to pet one of the horses. What I remember is crossing the fence, going up to the horse, and the next thing I know, I'm on the ground and I'm being trampled. (gasps) My mom sees this from our balcony and comes running out of the apartment. A German man picks me up, and she said that when they turned me around, the whole back of my head was laid open. She starts screaming and screaming, and someone from my stepdad's unit hears her and calls an ambulance and all the things. I remember in the ambulance that my mom was begging me to not fall asleep. My friend was there, and she said that I shouldn't fall asleep and I should listen to my mom, but that she had to leave because she was just there to make sure I was okay, and now her job was done and she had to go. My mom said that was the only time I cried, in the ambulance. I didn't cry when she picked me up. I didn't cry when they were putting in the 187 stitches. I only cried in the ambulance. I know it's because I had to say goodbye to my friend. A friend my mom couldn't see and no one else could see either. And she was just gone. Well, that's my story. Creep it real, Vash. Why'd she have to leave you? Because she protected her. She protected her
1: from the kids but she still needed protecting. Maybe. I don't know. You know, you think about and I know this is so like egocentric, like Americanized, egocentric. When I think of haunted places, I always think of an American place. And it doesn't have that is rich of history in a in a terrible way of these like war torn area thankfully. But you don't think, is this a little, a poor little Jewish girl whose family was destroyed in the Holocaust and she's there protecting you because she couldn't protect her family? Right. And all the furniture that you hear moving around is them trying to pack up and salvage their things to get the hell out of Dodge before shit went down. Right. Yeah. That's so sad. So sad that that happened. I know we've talked about this before, but the timeline, like, because we went to that Holocaust Museum in Houston, and it was like, I mean, you know, you know when it happened as far as like the years, but also when you put those years into perspective of the other things that were happening in the world, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. How? Right. Who? Mm-hmm. When? Don't do it that shrilly. I don't think truly is a word but you know the point yeah you know you're just like how in the fuck i mean what but you also understand psychologically how it can happen but on the other hand you're like but how yeah but thankfully you had a protector yes for sure we had a couple of protectors in stories this week mm-hmm wonder if we have protectors
0: Well, Lord knows yours is tired because you ping pong off walls, you (laughs) fall on pebbles, all these things. They're like, good Lord, I need overtime. (laughs) Hazard pay. Mine's like, she's just eating again.
1: Says the girl who was in the hospital with a fucking saddle P.E., and I don't mean that you were in physical education and you rode a fucking horse.
0: That never happened. I, only,
1: <laughs> I was on Tinder and this guy was
0: like, I love to ride horses. I was like, I've never rode a horse. I used to feed them carrots because apparently I'm a feeder, but we used to feed them carrots. And I've only rode a pony. And that was when I was a kid. I was like, I've never been around like a horse as an adult.
1: I haven't really either as an adult, though.
0: No. Yeah, I was like, that kind of terrifies me. <laughs> Thank y'all all all for sharing your stories. Like we always say, they're amazing. Y'all
1: do a great job at telling them. So personal and so, I don't know, heartwarming and scary, but wonderful at the same time. Thank y'all for sending them in. Keep them coming, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Or go to the website, aparanormalchicks.com, and you can send them in that way, too. Either way, keep them coming. And let us know if you want to be anonymous. Yes, we had a few of those this time, too. Mm -hmm. And just like this week, they can be paranormal, they can be heartwarming, they can be true crime. You know we love our ambient and uh, funny sleep stories, so send those in. Those are always wonderful. Short, long, you know, we're equal opportunity storytellers. Exactly. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.